Hello and welcome to Evangelion, Interpreting Scripture and Life, as we continue our foray into Paul's letter to the Galatians. We find ourselves having just begun chapter 3 and getting into another very, very critical section of the letter. Now, I have a 15-year-old daughter, and many say that she's the spitting image of me. And there is some truth to that, I think. I've seen pictures of her as when she was a a one-year-old, and she actually looks a lot like my sister when she was the same age. Now, the reasons for that are not that difficult to unpack. It's genetics. Of course, we share genetic material. Well, there's something very interesting about what Paul's about to suggest now about the project that he's embarked on, trying to induct Gentiles into the people of God. The people of God are the the family that God is trying to build. And a key figure in the family that God is building is Abraham. And Paul is about to introduce Abraham into his argument. Now, why do I bring up genetics. Well, just like any family, there is shared genetic material. Uh, That is blood family. If you are related by blood to someone, then you share some kind of common genes. Well, the gene which unites God's family is faith. And Paul is about to make that um, emphatic assertion in a way that steers his argument in a particular direction. Now, let's just remind ourselves how we got here. In the beginning of chapter 3, Paul is asking a very particular and very important question. What was the origin of the Spirit? How did the Galatian Gentiles receive the Spirit? Now, Paul says that they know they have the Spirit because of the miraculous activity that was going on um, within the community. He makes that point in chapter 3, verse 5. But where did the Galatian Gentiles think that the Spirit had come from? And Paul offers two positions. Was it because they had obeyed the Jewish law, or was it because they had heard and responded with faith to the gospel? Now, in some sense, we kind of already know the answer. But Paul wants to answer this question in a very specific way, in a very um, specific direction, and for a very specific reason. Let's just read the little section that we're going to be looking at today, and it's just verses 6 through 9 of Galatians chapter 3, and this is what it reads. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. The first word of verse 6 in Greek is a very important conjunction, that is connecting word. It's a word that connects what's gone before, and in this case verses 1 through 5, to what is about to happen. So 
Paul's effectively posed this question. Where did the Galatian Gentiles acquire the Holy Spirit who is doing miracles amongst their community? Well, Paul never directly answers that question. He doesn't say in any specific, unambiguous way that the Spirit came from hearing the gospel with faith. Rather, he tells the Galatian Gentiles in verse 6 that Abraham believed God. In other words, Abraham had faith in God. In English, we have all these different words, belief, faith, trust. In Greek, they're all one word. And that word right at the beginning of verse 6 in Greek, that conjunction, is the word kathos in Greek. And it means just as, or in as much as, or in the same way as. In other words, whatever has gone before, well, in the same way, Abraham had faith in God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So Paul has kind of answered the question. By using that conjunction and then talking about Abraham's faith in God, he's made it clear that the answer to the question he poses is faith. How did the Gentiles receive the Spirit? By listening to the gospel with faith. And in the same way Abraham had faith, he had faith in God and it was, quote unquote, reckoned to him as righteousness. Now that last bit there is actually a quote from the Hebrew Bible. It's from Genesis 15 verse 6, which is a really important uh, quotation of scripture for Paul's arguments. Now the key to understanding this section of the text is knowing, number one, that the um, passage in Genesis 15 6 comes at the end of a promise, a promise that God had made to Abraham. This is absolutely key. Abraham was very old, and his wife was similarly very old. In fact, she was just a year younger than Abraham. And God promised that they would have a son. Now, this is when Abraham was 75 years old. It didn't happen for another 25 years, so Abraham was 100, and Sarah in her late 90s, probably 99, when Isaac was conceived and born. And yet when God said to Abraham that he was going to have a son, and not only that he would have a son with his wife, but that that son would be the progenitor of an entire nation of people, that must have sounded pretty crazy, talking to someone who was 75 years old. And yet, even though it went against all embryological odds, Abraham believed God. Abraham trusted what God said to him. And because he trusted, for no other reason, on that basis alone, God reckoned his trust, that is, treated his trust, or counted his trust as righteousness. Now, this ought not to be understood as moral righteousness. Remember, this word righteousness is linked to the word um, for righteous, which is linked to the word for right. And it's similarly, in English, it would be linked to words like just, justice, and indeed justification and justify. When Paul says that God reckoned his faith as righteousness, what he seems to be implying 
is that God accepted Abraham into his family on the basis of his trust in the promise. In other words, Abraham became the originator, the progenitor of the people of God on the basis of trust. He trusted God and as such, he was the first member of the divine family. And this is why it was so commonplace for Jews to try to trace their heritage back to Abraham. You may remember in uh, the Synoptic Gospels, in, uh, in Matthew 3, for example, when John the Baptist is challenging Israel uh, to repent and he, he offers a, a warning, a judgment warning. He says, and do not presume to call yourselves children of Abraham because God from these stones can raise up children for Abraham. And see, this um, exemplifies what certain Jews would have done. They would have claimed some kind of privilege on the basis of being related to Abraham because Abraham was considered the progenitor, the first fruits of the Jewish people. And yet what Paul is saying here is that not only did Abraham become part of God's family on the basis of his trust, but anyone else who wants to join this family must do so on the basis of trust. In other words, their shared gene, the thing that makes them family and binds them as family, is faith. And so he says in verse 7, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And as we'll see, just like in Matthew 3, children of Abraham, the phrase sons of Abraham is almost like um, a motif or a cipher for the people of God. To be the sons or the children of Abraham is to be the people of God. Now in verse 8, the scripture is said to foresee that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Abraham had been told that he wouldn't just be the uh, a blessing to the uh, people Israel, but that he would be a blessing to all the nations. That means the Jewish nation and indeed the Gentile nations. They would all be blessed by Abraham. And this, you may remember me saying earlier, is why it was absolutely imperative that at some stage, Paul would have had to introduce Abraham into his arguments. Well, what is the thing that the scriptures foresaw? Well, they foresaw that Gentiles and Jews would all become God's people on the same basis. So he quotes again from Genesis, and this, um, this promise could be from Genesis 12 or Genesis 18. But the scripture foresaw how God would justify the Gentiles by saying, and then comes the quote, all the nations will be blessed in you. So whether they were Jewish or Gentile, they would all be blessed in the same way. They'd all be blessed in Abraham. In other words, they would all be blessed on the basis of having faith. And so then, Paul says in verse 9, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer or the one who had faith. 
So Paul makes an astonishing claim here, and it's one which has resonances in other parts of his letters, most um, most emphatically perhaps uh, Romans 9 verses 6 through 9. In Romans 9, Paul makes the astonishing assertion that not everyone who is descended from Israel is truly Israel, but only those who are children of the promise. And it's this very promise that he's talking about. God promised Abraham a son. And that son wasn't born on the basis of um, sort of natural probability, because in all probability, there's no way Abraham and Sarah should have been able to have a son in their advanced years. But they did purely because Abraham trusted in what God said. So everyone else who trusts, everyone else who has faith will also be a son of Abraham. And if a son of Abraham, then directed, uh, connected directly to God. Now, as I've argued <coughs> elsewhere, excuse me, this argument and the argument in Romans 4, where uh, Abraham is explicitly uh, shown to be um, the one who not just trusted in God, but trusted in the God who makes things alive. And as I say, I've argued elsewhere that the argument he presents here in Galatians 3 is exactly the same as the argument he presents in Romans 4. And in fact, one of the things that I'll demonstrate in a couple of weeks, oh, in a couple of podcasts time, is that the birth of Isaac is a very, very key motif in Galatians. In fact, I'll give the game away now. In Galatians 3.14, Paul is going to say that the uh, promise um, which was made to Abraham, which he there calls the promise of the Spirit, is the same as the blessing of Abraham. He equates these two terms. And one thing that I will argue <clears throat> is that the promise of the Spirit is in fact the birth of Isaac. But for now, what we need to know is that the birth of Isaac or the son that Abraham was promised was born because Abraham had faith. And this becomes an important motif for people coming into the people of God in Galatians. The people of God in Galatians became so on the basis of faith. In other words, in the same way that, Ab that Isaac was born. Isaac was born because of the faith of Abraham. And in the same way, God's people will be born on the basis of faith. Only, of course, in this instance, it's their faith in Jesus Christ. Many of us, I'd say probably most of us, come from a blood family. Now, all family is family, whether it's blood-related family or other kinds of family. But in all blood-related family, you share a gene. Indeed, you probably share multiple genes, which is why oftentimes you look like one or both of your parents. Well, in the same way, God's people have a common gene. That common gene is faith. This is the thing which 
makes us quote unquote look alike. Part of what Paul is attempting to do in Galatians is demonstrate the basis for God's family being a family which is not in any way bounded by the same kind of boundaries that ordinary families are, whether it's ethnic boundaries, social boundaries, gender boundaries, class boundaries, all of these in some way, shape or form go out of the window. The one thing that we have in common, the thing that makes us united as a family is faith. The next time you're amongst your brothers and sisters in Christ, look around them. Consider how completely different we are on the outside. We have different jobs, different uh, backgrounds, different interests. We're different in so many ways. And yet we're united in a way which is unique and powerful and makes us genuine family. And that is faith. Trusting in Jesus. Trusting in Jesus and and accepting and embracing his lordship and rejecting the lordship of anything or anyone else is what makes us family. We don't need to be the same in in any other way. We can be as different and as 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 uh, as free as you like. We can have as uh, different opinions and different attitudes. We can be different in all kinds of ways because we're united by this key, powerful motif that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah.